Hello, welcome to another episode in our TechNet Radio Tech Futures series. My name is Kevin Remdy, and I'm a technical evangelist for Microsoft. And for this part of our series, I am your TechNet futuristic host. Now, as you hopefully recall, this series is all about exciting things we see happening in computers, in cloud, and cloud computing technologies, and devices, really anything that we'd like to call or that I like to call geeky cool. Uh, and one thing that definitely falls into that category is anything having to do with making people fully productive or fully entertained, no matter where they are, no matter what device they choose to use. So to make this happen, it might require some remote connectivity or even maybe an application or a desktop to be available and running somewhere else. Maybe I'm not holding a lot of horsepower in my hand, but I want to take full advantage of the applications that are available to me. So the topic for today's discussion is what we're calling an accessible future. Now, today, along with me to discuss this topic, we have our uh, three amigos, Matt McSpirit, Joe Breslin, and Thomas Willingham. Uh, guys, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, before we get into the discussion, let's let's uh, meet each one of you uh, individually. Just a brief introduction of who you are, what you do with Microsoft, and uh, where your passion lies with regard to an accessible future. Um, oh, Matt, we'll start with you again. So, my name is Matt McSpirit. I'm a technical evangelist here at Microsoft based in Redmond. Uh, my focus work-wise is on on-premises infrastructure technology, so Windows Server, System Center, Management, the Operations Management Suite, and Azure Stack. And where my uh, preferences and interests lie with an accessible future is, I suppose, selfishly, it's providing the infrastructure for that to run it all, because you've got to run it somewhere. But outside of work, as a consumer of all of that, I'd like to be able to access my resources from a range of devices, whether they be Microsoft or otherwise, uh, wherever I am. And that, for me, staying connected most of the time is, is really important. And seamless and streamlined as possible is all good for me. Yeah, for sure. All right, thank you. Uh, Joe? All right. I, uh, I work on convincing people to make stuff like this happen. Uh, <laughs> and my passion is in uh, helping the IT people of the world and really helping solve some of those pain points and some of the things that are uh, really challenging and, you know, presenting in a fun and interesting and entertaining, hopefully, way. Uh, so thank you guys for being the actual talent and knowing stuff to talk about here. I'm just sort of here to hang out. All right. Excellent. Uh, and Thomas? Uh, Thomas Willingham. I'm the technical product manager for desktop virtualization in the Enterprise Mobility Group. Uh, my focus is, as I said, RDS, desktop virtualization, and how it impacts Azure, how it impacts customers, and kind of my, uh, what gets me going is enabling users to work on whatever device they want in a seamless experience. So we're fortunate to have people like Matt who work on that back end and make sure that infrastructure is strong and uh, available to consumers. And for consumers, they shouldn't have to worry about, uh, you know, how does this work? How do I connect? It should all be seamless and there should be, Matt mentioned, a seamless uh, transition between devices. No matter what device I'm on, I should be able to have some level of productivity. Whether Maybe the level of productivity is just I just want to consume uh, some information. I need to look something up really quick or it could be I actually want to work and create content. All right, guys. So thanks for the introductions. Um, so let's let's kind of set the stage. What what are we trying to address when we talk about an accessible future? Uh, and you know, we've, we've kind of some of us have already kind of hinted at the passions that we have around remote desktop and, and supporting that. I mean, is it really just terminal services and remote desktop, or what what are we trying to address here? So 
let's let's just kind of talk about how it's evolved over time. Back in the early 90s, uh, as you mentioned, it was terminal services. Uh, in 08 R2, so the 2010 timeframe, it got rebranded to remote desktop services. Prior to that, uh, terminal services only did multi-server sessions. So users would connect in and they would share a session on a server. Uh, after 08 R2, that's where VDI came in, virtual desktop infrastructure. So the ability to connect directly to a client in the infrastructure. And terminal services didn't, wasn't encompassing enough, so it got rebranded to remote desktop services. Some of the initial pain points that people felt were, I have aging clients. Uh, that don't run as, as quickly as I'd like them, don't run all the applications I need them to. So terminal services really enabled uh, lifecycle extension of those clients. Uh, remember back in the 90s, uh, client hardware was a lot more expensive. So having the ability to stretch those out for a couple of years was really attractive to enterprise customers. Uh, now the pain points that we're seeing are, so things have shifted a bit, and now people are having access to all these devices, they want to run applications on all these devices, but you have corporations and enterprises that have these legacy Windows applications that they've used forever, well now how all of a sudden do these alternate platforms access this content? They, they have a couple options. One is to spend a whole bunch of dev resources and have those brought to alternate platforms. Another one, no dev resources needed, is to spin up remote desktop services and then host those on a Windows-based system and then hand those out to the alternate platforms. Another benefit here is security. So back in the like mid 2005, 2000, like four to six time frame, we heard in the news, we'd hear companies in the news, somebody left their laptop so-and-so, and all of a sudden, three million social security numbers are now lost. Why somebody had three million social security numbers on their laptop, I had no idea. But one of the benefits of remote desktop services is none of that content or data is held on the local device. So even if the device is lost or compromised, the data is still secure in a central location. Now as we futurize even more and look at that broad spectrum, we have remote desktop services on premises. So you can either do remote app where you just host an application and hand that to the end consumer, a full desktop, either server or client-based. But now we also have the ability to move that infrastructure, to migrate that infrastructure to the cloud. So there's a whole bunch of options in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know you, you, you touched on a lot in, in that answer, and, and I, uh, I kind of want to step and maybe piece out some of those pieces that you mentioned because they're all very, very important topics, and I think each of us could probably contribute our own uh, thoughts or, or even uh, our own remembrances of days gone by. <laughs> uh, for example, um, back in the day I was an IT manager, and uh, that's what we did. You mentioned those, those, uh, those clients that we would want to repurpose. So rather than uh, just getting rid of those old desktops that we, that we had under desks collecting dust or putting them in a closet somewhere, we actually repurposed them in a classroom. And, so, and here you go. Here's a terminal services session for the students that were coming into our, to our company to learn our product. Uh, go ahead and remote desktop connect, terminal services connect to this server over here and do your work on that. So it was a 
early experience of doing that, and of course, great partners like Citrix and others have have added value to the to the foundation that we we started with terminal services and carry forward with the remote desktop. Uh, Matt, do you have any uh, any anything to add with that? I think the the key thing that I remember with <coughs> RDS historically, and I didn't spend a huge amount with terminal services because I'm so young and fresh faced, as you can tell. <laughs> so I was really only uh, RDS that, that, focused. That uh, <laughs> that that hair, he he earned that cutting his teeth. And, this, is, uh... this is stress since joining Joe's team. I had complete oh. brown hair before that. Yeah, it's um, and it's only yeah, so, here. <laughs> so my RDS experiences were really around. The first, from historically hearing horror stories about how complex it used to be to set up connection broker, farms, and so on, and seeing the evolution through to 2012 and 2012 R2 and how streamlined that whole setup process has become really enables IT to provide it to end users and consumers a lot more quickly and easily and in a more stable and reliable fashion. You know, that was, that was one takeaway that I took as things have evolved. But the biggest one that I've seen evolution-wise, uh, and it fits in with what people and users expect nowadays, if you come from your device and you go to a terminal server or a remote desktop server, you don't want it to look like the machine from the 80s. Even though it's running today's software, you see so many organizations who turn off all of the color enhancements, turn off all of the fancy graphics to, to really optimize the use of the protocol, remote connectivity-wise, to give a usable experience you know and, and by turning all those off it's like going from a local windows 10 experience to back to a remote windows xp experience and it's not seamless it's not a great transition for people to make and so my biggest uh learning i've seen and experience that i've seen through rds coming up to the most recent and the next release 2016 is just how much more efficient and how rich the remote experience is the local-like experience, even for applications and workloads that you would traditionally have never put in a remote environment like CAD and very high-intensity graphics-type workloads, that kind of stuff is all now so rich that it can be perceived as a local-like experience, and I think that's really important. Well, then key to that, I think, too, is it will, and what kind of amazed me the first time I saw this work, a couple things. One was uh, having a, a touch-enabled device remote mm. connected to a uh, desktop that I had sitting at home that happened to be running Windows 10, and the touch worked. Yeah. On a remote desktop session, I had the full desktop experience, I had the full touch experience, even though the device I was connecting to didn't support touch. Yeah. I couldn't sit down at it and use touch, but here I am on a touch device working with it. It's, and it's, it's not so cool laggy point. that you, you touch one thing and then wait for yeah. it to, to respond at the other end. It's, it looks and feels like it's local. It's really powerful. That's huge. Um, Joe, you have anything to add? Yeah, to no, and all, all those times 100, um, and yeah, and just seeing like sort of the scale of things like cloud computing and, and the ability to really centralize and really optimize those resources and where devices are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and become essentially invisible while, while we'll be, you know, interacting with this thing that's not actually in the clouds. I don't know why I'm pointing up there. It's, it's really big server rooms that are connected all over the world and backed up in the clouds in Matt's office. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a very exciting time. So hot and, in here. <laughs> and it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how that continues to evolve. Um, from my perspective, a uh, couple of things I, I wrote down that uh, Thomas had hit on. Um, the one is definitely those, that data breaches. They're, they're so, so painful. I, I remember very, very well, Back when I, when I first started working in, in IT support, actually, that was like, the, I guess, around 2008, that was like the big thing at the time. And so we actually had in, in our organization a couple different breaches where there were 
tens of thousands of uh, social security numbers, credit cards, whatever, where each of those, that's a huge thing that needs to happen. So it's also like a huge kind of cultural shift in the organization of, no, you can't just email out people's credit cards. You can't just store these on Excel sheets because while this computer that's under, you know, your the server that's under your under your desk that runs the entire organization's operations somehow, um, while that may have been like the best way to do business in the past, it's definitely not anymore. But at the same time, the reality is that there are a ton of people out there that are, while there's all these you know great exciting things happen with Windows Server 2016, um, there's still a lot of people that are that are still stuck back there. And it's I think mm -hmm. our our opportunity to help get them to this much less painful and, and uh, much more accessible future. So did did those breaches coincide with your time of employment? Is that is that what we're just confirming there? I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> no, no the, uh, I'm losing phone. the audio, Chris. Kevin bringing the love, showing it on his phone. Yeah, nice. so I've got a remote desktop connect to Ooh. my to my media center at home. My media center happens to be running Windows 7. That and uh, no, that's my Windows 7 PC running off my phone. Now, if I had and I, because I do on this on this Lumia 950 have Continuum. If I had this connected to a big display, mouse and keyboard, I could have full featured capability accessing Windows 7. Any app that runs on Windows 7 essentially appearing to run on my phone. Cool, but it's nice. nice. Obviously, well, you could also use that for server-based applications and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's awesome. Absolutely. That's that's the power and the flexibility, not only to be able to connect to the full desktop from a device like that, which I think for convenience is very useful. As you start to get into the smaller fonts and things, I guess it will get a little bit more tricky to manipulate on the just unless you were using a, a, a monitor. Yeah. But uh, if you were just projected the app, like Thomas talked about before with remote app, uh, that just looks and feels like it's running locally on the device and is appears usability-wise like it's formatted for that particular uh, type of device as well. So. And, and that's such a, a critical thing, Matt, and especially, I think, one, another common pain point and uh, thing that we definitely struggle with was as people are, you know, starting to demand to be more, uh, to have better access, to have better uh, control, we were, you know, investigating a lot of different point solutions where things just were not um, interconnected. But the other part is our organization was, it was sort of like, half PC, half Mac. And in addition, there's a, you know, you're not going to believe it, but there are people that aren't on just Windows devices. There are other devices out there as well. I, I was shocked too. I know. <laughs> and, but this is the world we live in today where things like, like the Azure Remote App, those applications, they're not limited to just these Windows devices. They mm -hmm. work on your iPhone, on your iPad, Android device, you name it. And, and that's where we are right now. And shoot, where we're going to go is very exciting. It is very exciting. And you mentioned uh, Azure Remote App, and, and I think uh, we, we sort of touched on it, but I do want to uh, make sure that everybody understands. You know, Now we even have more options than we had even in the last few years, where instead of having to build this infrastructure and support uh, either virtual desktops or even just sessions on a, on a remote desktop session host, uh, now we, we, if we decide we don't want to manage that hardware, we don't have to manage that hardware. We have options mm -hmm. in the cloud now that allow us to have that same capability. Oh um, my God! So much to talk about. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so re really quick to address some points. Yeah. When we think about security, we think of somebody being malicious trying to access data. Let's think of another scenario. Let's think of a hardworking family person. Uh, it's six o'clock at night. They're working on that financial spreadsheet, and they want to go home and have dinner with their family. Th this is a true corporate person. They want to work hard, but they want to have family time too. So what do they do? Their company doesn't have a 
uh, enterprise mobility strategy. They don't have desktop virtualization. So we've surveyed those people, and 88% of corporate people admit to using personal SaaS-based applications to get their job done. So at 6 o'clock, I want to go have dinner with my family, so I'm going to use my Hotmail, Gmail, Outlook. I'm going to use one of those accounts, and I'm going to email that data to myself. Or I'm going to park it. I'm going to use OneDrive or Google Drive or Dropbox or whatever. I'm going to park it there. The minute that happened, IT just lost control of that data. And again, right. not out of maliciousness. That's just person trying to do, um, trying to do some hard work and get their work done. Um, Second, uh, we talked about, Kevin mentioned the spectrum of deployments that are available, being able to deploy on-premises or being able to deploy in the cloud or hybrid. We understand that not everybody is ready to go all into the cloud right now. And we have solutions for you. While we're still building a really strong on-premises uh, offering, we're also focused on our cloud-based offerings, uh, Azure Remote App, RDS, and IaaS. So using those solutions, you could put your infrastructure in the cloud and yet still put data and resources back on premises. So although you're running the apps and the services in the cloud, your data and resources, still you still stay in control of those back on premises. Yeah, a lot of great options there, um, and and you know businesses are, are given so many more new and exciting opportunities. Again, keeping security in mind, where that data is, and whether or not somebody's trying to be malicious or simply being dumb and <laughs> and and sharing, or or you know, and it, a lot does fall on IT. I mean, IT does have to have better control over that information. That that employee shouldn't even have that ability to to copy company data up into a, a, a public cloud environment. But, you know, it's not always it's not always the case. So having having the desktop virtualization and having the capabilities to to host those applications elsewhere or even host them internally or even maintaining the data internally, as you said, even though the, the uh, application may be running in the cloud, all very, very useful. And then um, from that from that standpoint, the user can connect either from home, from their mobile device, from work. They get the same experience no matter where they are, and yet data... Uh, corporate compliance is still met. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, I'm curious what you guys think. Um, if there's some reasons that that uh, people are, or corporations are giving for not wanting to go in the in the direction of a remote desktop, um, and eventually, will they have any choice but to consider that? Just curious what you guys think. I'm trying to think of a good answer because. I don't know why a reason why you wouldn't. I mean, maybe there's some kind of requirement to have everything on the local device, maybe a disconnected type scenario, because obviously remote desktop services relies on a connection, but connections now, either 4G is enough to certainly stream a desktop or an app um, in a high fidelity at least way, maybe not CAD and all that kind of stuff, but at least if you're the guy in the field doing some plumbing work and you need to get back to the system it's all of that is com is completely doable so the disconnected thing doesn't really apply i mean maybe there's certain organizations that just can't for a compliance fee they can't have i don't know i'm clutching at straws really there's no real requirement of why you couldn't i think maybe it is just a you don't know what you don't know in terms of a lot of organizations don't actually know that they can do this sort of stuff and they just assume that the server is where 
perhaps there's a file server and a file share that they know that they just drop their stuff there and that is their keeping everything in the corporate walls and they VPN back to get that document and they put it back there when they've finished and they don't realize that there's this world of remote desktop experiences that they can consume either the full fidelity desktop or just an individual set of apps from the server or cloud and yeah it's that's where enterprises struggle is that they're fighting the fires day to day and they don't necessarily always have the opportunity to look up and say wow this is coming in the next release of server this is phenomenal this could change the way we consume IT from from the back end to these lower cost more disposable devices uh, across a, a range of types of devices as well they're not the kind of organizations that are embracing bring your own and um, though that kind of remote computing it's yeah it's maybe that's the reason why you they haven't rather than wouldn't yeah so know. yeah as we were sort of sitting here like sort of like blank face of what is it but Matt I think you really you really nailed it and um, I really think what it comes down to is it's it's fear or fear of, of or just not understanding, like you said, a lack of the information about what's available, but just a, a fear of what you don't know or you know, the past. We tried this thing and this terrible thing happened. Let's we know this way works. Let's not go to it. And also, as you managed or you mentioned, people are very very busy. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's definitely one important thing. And so when I look to like IT people and the IT profession and, and what the role will evolve to, especially as we do move more cloud focused, obviously there's a ton of fear of, you know, eliminating all jobs. Um, and I, but the, the way I look is like IT, I think it will change. Like everything else will change. We'll always continue to evolve. But I see IT as sort of being those, those technical leaders in the organization that can help people dispel those fears, to help them understand what's important. Even working, having IT people working lockstep with developers to understand, hey, as you're building this, as you're building this new application, why don't you build in, you know, the Intune SDK, build in Azure, Azure AD capabilities so that, so that this will, A, be enterprise enterprise grade and ready to scale the enterprise and be adopted in the enterprise, but also you're building a product that's going to be much more secure and, and just better overall in the long term for everybody. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's a great opportunity, I think, to just help, help people both understand like, where, where their fears are and how, how they can get to uh, a better future. I think, I think perhaps, sorry, to, to add to that just briefly, one of the one of the reasons why I think people, now that I've had more time to think about it, that they, <laughs> they haven't, is perhaps perceived, and rightly so, complexity. Because whilst we talk about RDS being significantly more simple than it has been, let's say 2008 and definitely 2003 timeframe, it's still not as trivial as next, next, finish. You know, yes, enabling RDS and configuring a farm and the connection broker and the web portal and all of those things are relatively straightforward for an IT professional, but that's not the end picture. There's secure connectivity from device back to base. Is that going to be the gateway? Is it going to be a VPN? More considerations. Is my network bandwidth enough from between my sites? More considerations. Do I have the right security across the infrastructure? Do I have the right credentials? How do I manage profiles? All of those things are beyond just installing and enabling RDS. And mm -hmm. it's very easy to roll it out in a POC style size configuration for 10, 15, 20 users plus licensing costs and all of that stuff. But at the same time, if you think about, I've got a 150 users, 1,000 users, how do I scale it? What are my bandwidth requirements? All of those questions put extra pressure on IT to figure it out before they actually get anywhere. So sometimes, yeah, it is easier just to have a laptop and you know have stuff locally when you need it and drop it back to 
corporate uh, environments through OneDrive or an equivalent uh, to keep that data at least moderately secure. But maybe that's one of the reasons. Yeah, Matt brings up a good point. Perceived complexity. Uh, when we went to when we first had VDI and uh, Windows Server 2008 R2, it was super complex. Uh, you had to install and deploy about seven different roles. You had to touch each server individually. Uh, you had to do it on the right day. Uh, there was possible um, sacrifice of an animal involved, and then it still may or may not work. Um, when I hear people have uh, deployed 2008 R2, one of the first things I do is congratulate them. Uh, the second thing I do is normally apologize, uh, just because it was so difficult. Uh, that was our line in the sand, and it was our first offering, and, and that perception has kind of stayed. Mm -hmm. In 2012, 2012 R2, we've done huge updates to workflow, to the UI, so it's a lot more straightforward. I don't want to use the word simple, because it's mm, not right. simple, uh, but it's a lot more straightforward, and there are workflows now to work uh, user through, to work that IT pro through. So I think there's still some perceived fear about complexity from some of our older versions. And it's not unfounded, too. And, and oh, no, as, not and at as all. Matt, and as Matt mentioned, too, it, it goes beyond the, the initial setup, understanding the hardware requirements that you need, the bandwidth, the security, and all those, as mentioned. Um, it's an organization that understands, and, and this is, uh, fortunately, I think, uh, more and more organizations are realizing they are technical organizations. They are based on technology. They can't do anything without technology. And so the value that IT brings to a business uh, is, is becoming more and more clear. And that means more and more investment and value to those leaders in IT that can actually drive value by understanding, okay, here's where the benefits are going to be. Here's why it's important to support mm. this infrastructure. Here's why we need to scale even beyond what we can dream of now by considering the cloud as another as the next step for some of these resources that we're trying to manage in-house. Um, it's that really well-defined, well-oiled machine of an organization that understands IT really is at the heart of everything they do. And... Mm. Uh, you know, understanding good DevOps and operations and, and automation practices. These are all things that are part of that. And remote desktop is just one piece of that big puzzle. It's funny because uh, Jeffrey Snova had a good quote in one of the interviews that I did with him recently. And he said, IT can only save you so much money, mm -hmm. but it can make you mm. an unlimited amount of money. So <laughs> yeah. by using IT well effectively you really can for, for your business benefit. You're not making money from the IT directly, but you're using IT as an enabler to allow your sales folks or your whatever your line of business is to really thrive and be more agile and be productive on the move and at different times and keep your data secure. Because a, a big data breach or a loss of data in a small business could dent confidence and your business could go under as a result. You know, so those kind of things are incredibly important. And you think, well, it'll never happen to me because I'm just small, but... You know, all data is valuable. So, absolutely, yeah. especially when it can be turned into information. Um, so, a, a key thing that I all all of you touched on that I want to highlight is the word agile, DevOps. The you know this sort of new reality that we have today. And I think one thing for me, especially as we're talking about sort of the the learnings of the past, things that we have now built and, and improved on. Like one thing that was always very frustrating for me, and I, I'm sure that other people can relate to this as well, is we go and you see like whatever bug in a uh, product and it just, it stays for a year and a half and, and it doesn't change. But now we're at this place where software and changes 
are happening more quickly. There are improvements. We are being able to very quickly look at um, look at the audience and understand what those new pain points are as things very rapidly evolve and also adjust how we do things. And, and this is something that will just, as we move into the future, will uh, continue to get better and better, but it's also a really exciting place right now. So you bring up the... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I was going to say, Joe brings up a great point. Um, people, customers are used to the old server cadence where every four years a major release came out Every two years after that, the minor release would come out, and that was a pretty heavy cycle. And if uh, feature the feature that you wanted didn't get into one release, you had to wait a couple years for it to come out. Now, a couple things Microsoft is doing that to me is really exciting. One is user voice. So users, customers actually have the ability to go onto these sites, uh, look at features that are being requested by other customers. They can put in their own features. And here's the cool part. Microsoft is actually listening and rolling those features and functionality back in. Uh, they have one for Intune. There's one for Azure Remote App. Uh, those are just the couple I know about. I'm sure there's a lot more out there. Loads, loads. Storage, yeah. networking, nano server, every, all the key building blocks within Windows Server, I think, have user voice pages. Yeah. And, and those features and functionality, the product team actually looks at those and are rolling that back into the product. So the customer really has an impact into what the final product is looking like now. And to me, that's really exciting. That definitely is. And, and it's, it's, it bodes to, uh, for a, a very bright future. Um, and speaking of futures, uh, this is Tech Futures, so I did want to just kind of maybe as our last question of the, the discussion today, um, ask you guys what you think Hold, what the future holds for us in this area? I mean, it, let's let's get out there and dream a little bit. What what kind of uh, what what kind of scenarios could you see that remote desktops or uh, remote connectivity or remote access of these these technologies can actually give us uh, even beyond what we might be able to dream with the today's devices, today's servers, today's cloud? Hmm. I think the way that Windows Server 2016 is evolving for the future um, gives us a lot more opportunity to bring in new scenarios that are now relevant to a broader set of groups and users. So we mentioned CAD and graphical stuff uh, earlier on, but we're really talking now in this next release, short-term futures at least, enabling new scenarios for even more powerful graphic-based applications and stuff. So I'm sure Thomas can talk more about the specifics of different kind of graphical, um, like DirectX, OpenGL, and so on, that we'd, we'll be supporting. And the protocols and the ways we're doing that through working with the graphics card vendors to really give the richest, and it builds on what I said before, the most local-like, rich experience from a re remote-based um, system. But then going that one step further, you've got to think about how people can embrace that through the devices that we talked about in the first show, things like IoT. How does that connect back to remote, remote desktop service infrastructure. It may not as much, but certainly devices where there is some visual element, like a HoloLens, you know, walking around with that where perhaps not everything has to be local, and you could have a remote app that is providing some kind of 
CAD-based graphic that I've got in my visual view now while I'm doing the plumbing under the sink or whatever it may be. I've seen those kind of medical-type yeah. <laughs> examples as well, perhaps a more serious one. I always just resort to plumbing. I don't know I... <laughs> well, but I mean, think about that architectural diagram that's on the table in front of you, and you yep. can walk around it, and you can get closer to it, and you yeah. can use a mouse to, direct, to, to manipulate it. And, but it's yeah. come from a remote source where it, the data is secure in the data center, because we can't just assume that just because it's HoloLens and it's cool and it's the next big thing gadget-wise, that everything should live on that device and be yep. a risk to the business. You know, the next blueprint for the next plane from Boeing or, you know, the next whatever from Company X is that kind of stuff could be really, really important. That's one way I could see potentially it all going, but it requires that infrastructure at the back end, good connectivity, mm-hmm. and obviously the front end device to, to support it. So I, don't I know. like that. that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've coined the idea, you know. So <laughs> we, we, we saw it all here first, yeah, guys. It. If it happens, I'm retiring. 10.49 a.m. on yeah. May 6th. Yeah, so it. there are three main areas of enhancements for RDS in Windows Server 2016. Uh, there's the graphics enhancements that Matt touched on, uh, direct device assignment, uh, which you can look into a bit more. I don't know if we have time to go into that here. Uh, so graphics enhancements, uh, scalability enhancements. So the ability for uh, connection broker to scale quite a bit better uh, and to use instead of a dedicated SQL server, they can now use SQL services in the cloud, hmm. which brings to the third one, optimizing RDS for the cloud. So previously you had uh, seven role services that needed to run on four VMs. That's been shrunk down to four role services on two VMs and then leveraging Azure services, Azure AD, uh, Azure SQL, Azure App Proxy. So you see for Windows Server 2016, we've had some really good enhancements. To futurize this for me, uh, IoT has been discussed. I see IoT becoming more like a workflow. So now you're working and being productive on whatever device you have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I did some laptop work, remote desktop. Uh, Now I'm headed to a customer. I have a mobile device. I'm working off that mobile device. Maybe there is uh, some newfangled fancy device at the customer site, and we want to be productive on that, and we can remote in and Maybe that device doesn't have the horsepower to do what it needs Mm. to do, but through remoting, uh, it has a screen. We can access it. Uh, I believe Joe talked about uh, email on Satya's fridge last episode. Mm. So, like, Mm -hmm. how does that get there? How does that get there in a secure way? So I see the future of RDS to be more workflow-oriented across these different IoT devices. And does the email go away when you close the refrigerator door? That's always a big question I've had. Just when you look away. Yeah, I I think there there was something with a contact lens or something. We're still working out the the exact details. (laughs) Hard enough to get ice from my fridge. Never mind the email responses. (laughs) (laughs) But ice, we we talked about earlier before the show, is is a form of 3D printing. Yeah, you have a 3D printer printer in your house, Matt? That's amazing. (laughs) Just add water. Uh, those are those are all. Uh, yeah, I, I love all that stuff. Um, um, for me, in, in thinking about this this accessible future and where technology is going and IoT and all these things, um, the first part of it is is obviously there are a lot of pieces here. Um, but what I think is like really exciting and cool about Microsoft is taking much more of a of a stance of looking at how the entire platform 
comes together, how all these pieces work together, how they are really integrated, how the different teams are thinking about one another, ultimately with all of these things in mind, with these goals of making this more accessible, easier to access. Um, so for me, I think like uh, what's very interesting uh, with an accessible future, um, I look at that as a uh, is having access to information first and foremost. And, and I think we live in a, we call it information technology today, but I feel like we live in, in more of a, a data technology kind of world where we're trying to make information out of it. Um, but I'm really looking toward the f uh, forward to the future where we will be able to get genuine information, whether that's through, um, whether that's through with friends, through news sources, whatever it may be, um, genuine information where we don't need to worry about what are the other aspects that went into what you're communicating to me? What are you really trying to say? What are you getting out of this? Where you can really actually genuinely trust that information and, and have that information available to everybody, uh, that it's not self-serving. And then, I mean, I think this, we, we touched on in the last episode, how technology is really going to transform the developing nations. And, and that one is, is really interesting to me to help people finally get to a bit more of a, of a level playing field. Like, hey, guys, we're... We're all in this together. We need to work together to, to bring this accessible future because it's not an accessible future if it's, if it's just up, us and, and the northern half. Um, and so I think that's going to be uh, critically important. And uh, I think from a, from a personal perspective, uh, mentioned the HoloLens. And so my vision was before I, I've been in Seattle for a couple years and I, I was like, you know, hang out with friends, whatever, on the East Coast. I'm like, I can't wait for a day where we will have a virtual device where I'll be able to this person who's across the world from me, I'll be able to look and they'll be sitting on my couch for all intents and purposes and think, hey, go grab a beer from the fridge. Well, a couple years from that still, but like to be able to have that, like we have now, we're on this thing with Skype where we can all see each other, but that evolution where in the future we'll be doing this and Kevin will be in your room talking about, maybe not, sorry, Kevin. Um, so I think it's very exciting. And, uh, and I'll close with uh, Matt on your, uh, your metaphor of a plumber. I think that's a great one because, as we all know, the internet is a series of tubes. Uh, but what do tubes generally move? They move. They move water. And what do plumbers move? They move water. And it's such a trivial thing to us. But again, not a trivial thing to the rest of the world. And it's also it's such an important thing because you know we are water. And just thinking about that, that IT person, that the people that are listening to this, you have the power. And maybe not everybody understands the power that you have. So it's a battle that that takes some that takes some effort. It's, it's finding one person who will believe in you and, and having them understand this vision and going through there. And it's a, a lot of times it's, it's hard to make this change, but really you have the power and, and you get to choose how you want to uh, live the life and the future that you want to see. So, and we want to help you with that. Wow. That's deep. Exciting. Yes. Well, yeah. Exciting times. Yeah. Like water. Yeah. Like I, think, water. I think we need to revert to the, the kind of ending they have on Sesame Street where you just like today's letter was L <laughs> and it was number four. <laughs> and if we reduce if we lower the temperature enough in, in water enough, what do we get? 3D pizza. printed. 3D printed pizza. Nice. pizza. Yeah. And uh, pizza. <laughs> All right. Well, this was fun guys. So before we wrap it up here, um, are there any resources that we can point people to to find out more information about the, the topics we've talked about? In particular with the stuff maybe that's more current uh, with regard to remote desktop and so on? Uh, yes, there are. So you can go to aka. Uh, .ms slash uh, RDS for one that goes to the uh, product team's blog, remote desktop service product team blog. You can also go to microsoft.com slash EMS. Uh, that's the enterprise mobility suite that desktop virtualization docks into. And this will give you more of the overarching uh, enterprise mobility story 
and then you can get deeper into uh, the desktop virtualization, and you'll be able to see a couple videos of me, and I think Matt's actually in one of those videos Ooh. with Clark, what, so you what? get more FaceTime with us, and talking to us and having us in your living room is like a virtual hug. I mean, I don't know what you could want more <laughs> I'm feeling, of. I'm feeling it. So, Getting more FaceTime with us, I say double plus good. Yeah. <laughs> good on the Xbox. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all of those, and then I will also be, uh, I'll be wrapping everything up. I'll be writing some words around this on a blog on aka.ms slash techfuturesaccess. And that blog Perfect. will include all the things that we talked about here, these things Thomas talked about, how you get started, how you take next steps, all that good stuff in one convenient and easy place. Terrific. And we'll make sure that all of our blog information, contact information is also right below this video. Just look right down from the video on that page and you'll find uh, ways to communicate with any one of us. Or awesome. like I said, in case you're listening on a podcast or something. Uh, there yep. you go. Um, and uh, lastly, I want to make sure that you all understand we want to hear from you. We really want to get your feedback. We, we, we cherish your input and what you feel you want to see, what you liked, what you didn't like. Give us any uh, snarky comments. That's fine, too. But uh, honestly, we want, to, we want to shape this series based on what you think would be important to learn more about, what uh, kinds of things you'd like to hear us discuss. Um, a number of other people are going, to, are going to be brought into this series, so it's not just going to be the four of us all the time. Uh, but we're really looking forward to hearing more from you. So if you would. Add your comments to the comments section below the video on Channel 9. Um, again, contact any one of us with any feedback that you have. We'd really, really appreciate it. Hey, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Really, really appreciate it again for all of you being here. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, thanks, everybody. Always and, a pleasure. And all thanks, right. most importantly, to the people that decided to take some time and listen to us talk about the future. That's Indeed. right. Thank you. And we'll see you all again soon for another Bye. episode of Tech Futures. Bye. Thanks, everyone.